There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Good day. <clears throat> Good day. In about an hour, listeners here will join others from around the world, and we will all be launching the biggest critical response to a disaster movie in the history of mankind. Mankind. Humankind, because women are equally apart. Humankind. That should have new meaning for us today. Our time can't be consumed by petty films anymore. We must be united in our interest of good films, of fine entertainment. Perhaps it's fate that today is January 26th and you will once again be listening to the results of the freedom to express ideas and critique. We're commenting for our right to better movies, our freedom from trash and garbage on our cinema screens. Should our show win the day, January 26th will no longer be known as an American holiday, but the day when the world declared in one voice, Max Mike Movies! This week, as part of our disaster porn series, we're confusing Max. No, yeah. we're turning back the Tower of Time so that we can scrutinize 1996's Independence Day. On this little journey is podcaster number one, Max Grand Old Dame Levine. Bring us to the bridge, Max. So no spot of tea, anyone? <laughs> Perhaps a uh, different bridge. On his right, hand upon his head, it's just a little headache, is me, Mike. Watch out for that spaceship, loose. We will not go quietly into that night. We will not vanish without a fight, but we will go off to your answers to our... Poll question. Last episode, we asked you to answer us, what is your favorite cinematic hand-to-hand fight? Do tell. You... Do tell, you had this to say. Ian Coleman was first to answer, quote, Winter Soldier versus Captain America, and Black Widow, from Captain America Winter Soldier. That's a good fight. Great camera movement and switching from hands to weapons and working clearly in that street space, end quote. A very cool answer indeed. Thanks, Ian. Ralph Smith was next with, quote, Peter Griffin versus the Chicken. (laughs) Brutal. Which one? There are like 90 of them. I don't think that's exactly what we meant but uh hey thanks, guy works sure i yeah pete kreichet answered with a link to the club fight scenes with tony ja and ong bak very uh, amazing fight scenes indeed if you have not seen any tony ja films i highly recommend them just for the fights alone if nothing else thanks stinky next was dave who had a lot to say yep let's hear it make yourself known dave Quote, oh dear, I could write an encyclopedia on this topic. And he does. And he does. I assume that hand-to-hand includes armed, but no projectiles and no vehicles. Yep, that's what I figured. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. (laughs) Quote, rules? There aren't any rules rules in a knife fight. End quote, is my favorite. (laughs) Light, realistic, entertaining, in character, and provides the right message. I think I like realism in combat, and for that, the message has to be that Hand-to-hand combat is so risky that one should never engage in it. That's why Butch is the best. As a second favorite, there is a sequence in Battles Without Honor and Humanity where one of the Yakuza gets it into his head to take a harpoon gun to a fight. He gets into a foot race and accidentally shoots himself in the foot with a harpoon. Just like a Yakuza to bring a harpoon to a gunfight. No. Oh. Clear presentation of the message that combat is unpredictable and should be avoided. 
For choreography, I think Jackie Chan has the best ideas. For cinematography, the opening sequence in Memoirs of Japanese Assassins is hands-down glorious. Special mention to the -the over-the-top mature audience-only movies like Female Yakuza Tales, I'm going to get this wrong, Ikareiko, Attacked in the Bath, and Bonacci, Clan of the Forgotten Eight, the bridge scene. For best single strike, Toshiro Mufuni's left-handed cut at the end of Sanjuro. There are other cool Iejitsu sequences, but that one is excellent. One doesn't even notice that he drew and killed with his left hand until it is pointed out. For gimmicky, I liked the kill in The Hidden Blade. I think gimmicky fight sequences are often the most entertaining because they're not supposed to be realistic. End quote. Whew! <laughs> and luckily you didn't hear all the goof-ups I made. Well, uh, Dave must know of what he speaks. Thanks, Dave. He does. He really does. Thank you, Dave. Kelly Cooper had a bit to say. Quote, hmm, for me, it's a tie between the final fight scene in Any Which Way You Can, 1980, which I loved as a kid, and Jackie Chan's Drunken Master, 1978, Uh. which made a huge impression on me in my 20s and was instrumental in my developing a love of Hong Kong action flicks. Both fights tell multiple stories with about the men involved and the bystanders who have relationships with the men. What kind of relation? Anyway, both were beautifully choreographed and required tremendous physicality. I'm sure there are better fight sequences, but these are my favorites. End quote. Thanks, Kelly. Relationships. Nick Hoffman said, quote, hey, I didn't see this one. No fair. My favorite is Kung Fu Hustle. End quote. I don't know why this isn't fair, but thanks, Nick. It must not have shown up in his feed early enough. But which fight in Kung Fu Hustle? I mean, I know my favorite, but... which is Well, we'll we'll get to your answer in a a little bit. Mike Weasel Dans gave us, quote, Daredevil Season 1, Episode 2. Sounds like a Bible quote. Hallway fight scene, (laughs) The book of Daredevil 1, Season (laughs) 2, verses 9 through 27. Uh, Skip a bit, brother. Uh, Thanks, Weasel. Val Coon, sneaking in just under the wire, posted, quote, Ooh, I think I forgot to post. I put my vote in for the amazing scene between Michelle Yeoh and, boy, I'm going to get this wrong, Ji Yi Zhang in Crouching Tiger, oh, yeah. Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. Ji Zhang, yeah. Sure, I know they get it wrong. Thanks, Val. From the website, Vince, Master of the North, commented, quote, My all-time favorite hand-to-hand fight scene is the sword fight in The Princess Bride, uh, as it was choreographed by the same guy who choreographed Errol Flynn's sword fights back in the day. I'll have quote. to check uh, with Errol. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with Errol. Thanks, Vince. And lastly, also from the website, we had Ned, who wrote, quote, The Raid Redemption, or at least the scene with Mad Dog is my favorite martial arts sequence. It's clear, economical, and technical without being overly dramatic. The conversation wouldn't be complete without Bruce Lee's performance in Enter the Dragon and Jackie Chan's in Police Story, but they're, deservingly, already household names, end quote. Household indeed. Thanks, Ned. And Ned, I should point out, like Dave, it is a martial arts practitioner and knows whereof he speaks. Also, I'm amazed it took till the last answer for anybody to even think of Bruce Lee. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, thanks a ton, folks. We're always happy to get your answers. Thank you so much. You teach us a lot. But Max, what's your answer to your question? Oh, it's really hard to pick one. I got to say, one of my favorites is Bruce Lee, but it's a three-parter. It's in, ironically, the absolutely worst Bruce Lee movie, Game of Death. Game of Death. Because he's not actually in it. It was made. Yes, but a picture of him is in it, taped to a mirror. They splice in sequences from a movie he was going to make, but was never released. And there is a sequence at the end where he fights three enemies, one after the other, 
One of them is a weapon specialist using nunchakus. One is a re- is really powerful at tiger kung fu. And the third one <laughs> is Wilt Chamberlain. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, excuse me. I keep forgetting because Kareem, yeah, well, I forget which, who was in which movie. But yes, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who was a student of his and watching Bruce Lee, who was, shall we say, not a towering gentleman. <laughs> I think he was like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, against... Seven foot of seven feet of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is remarkable. That's a great scene. That's one of my. That's my favorite Bruce Lee fight. I don't know my favorite fight scene. It's, it's really hard to narrow down. I love Jackie Chan in Legend of Drunken Master, the final fight against the big boss. But I also love his fight against Benny the Jet Arquitas in that same mm-hmm. movie. And there's a fight where uh, Anita Mui is trying to help out, and it's both brilliant and hilarious. Yeah, because Anita Mui is just so damn funny. So those are those are mine. It's hard to pick one. What about you? I, mean, I know Jackie... Captain Kirk versus the Gorn. Um, actually, that was one of my answers. Really? <laughs> yes, it was meant to be a joke at the end, but Sorry. now it's not. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know, I think that was Charlton Heston. <laughs> now that I think of it, I think what? the Gorn was voiced by Charlton Heston. It could have been. It, <gasps> did sound, it did sound like the Gorn was really blocked up. Max knows me way, way <laughs> too well. It is actually in my script. No. So Jackie Chan, if you've not watched, and I'm going to go with early Jackie Chan. We're talking 80s Jackie Chan. Yeah. Um, the 70s one are a little too early, and I don't, I don't think he gets into his prime until he's like early 80s, like police story. And I don't remember which movie this is in, but he has this fight where he's using a stepladder, and he is fighting through it. He is catching people by closing it on them. It's being whipped around. He's <laughs> somehow not tripping over it. It is just amazing. I also yeah. like the opening of Daniel Craig's outing as James Bond in Casino Royale. There's this, um, it's mostly a chase scene. Oh, the parkour scene. The parkour scene is oh, so, man. I just sat there and went, well, people can't do that. And it's like, <laughs> n- no, there's no wires. That guy's doing it. I was watching it going, okay, that, that's that got to be CG, right? That guy's not a real, oh my God, it's a human. Yeah. And people just do this. And um, it's. <laughs> For fun. <laughs> to, to, to quote uh, a riff tracks, I didn't know dogs could do that. Ah! <laughs> Bruce Lee, and I don't remember the character's name, Dr. Klon. I know it's not Dr. Klon. Um, in Game of Death, the final scene where he gets Wait, scratched get- in the face. No, not oh, Game oh, of Death. That, it's, that's Enter uh, the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. Um, I just Mr. Watching- Han. He's up against Mr. Han. Yeah, I know it's Dr. Klon in the in Yes. <laughs> but I... Give Dr. Claude a great big hand. Oh, (laughs) is that Amazon Woman of the Moon or Kentucky Fried Movie? That's Kentucky Kentucky Fried Fried Movie. movie. There's a point, like, Bruce Lee fights, and then he makes those noises, which are really disconcerting. And then at some point, when things get real, when he actually gets tagged, in this case, he gets a claw across the face, Bruce Lee kind of unfolds. Yeah. Like, he's this little person, but then he somehow gets bigger. And I don't know (laughs) how he does that, but it's like, oh, oh, oh. Crap's hitting the wall now. You're in for it. And yeah. I, it was the thing with Je- with Bruce Lee. Most of the time, when he's just trying to act, he's not that great. He wasn't no. really much of an actor. No. When he starts to fight, he starts to act. That's when his per- when character comes out and charisma, and just unbelievable personal force. 
Yeah. It's why he's so great to watch when he do when he's doing that. It's not just the stunts, it's it's the emotion. Well, I want to take it further with especially with people like Jackie Chan. They actually know how to film a fight sequence. Yes. I'm looking at you, Hollywood. Stop uh. strapping the camera to a monkey, throwing a banana into the set, and hoping the footage looks good. Oh, and here's another clue, especially in James Bond films. Stop dressing the villain exactly like the hero. We can't uh. tell them apart. Yeah. But. Seriously, the Hong Kong movies, the ones, the, I think one of the reasons the later Jackie Chan's were so good was that was when he got more and more control over them, where he could make his own decisions yeah. and use his own stunt people and his own teams. And he knew the fun thing with Jackie Chan, as opposed to Bruce Lee, when Bruce Lee is fighting, it's always like, I am totally in control. I don't care if there are 50 of you. There's me. Yeah. And Jackie Chan has this great more of an everyman, like, what is going on? I don't want to be here. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do this. I try to get away, but it just so happens I can beat the crap out of all of you. With a ladder. Yep. <laughs> or a fish. Yeah. Or a fish. Well, that's all well and good, but we are going to have to move yes. on to yet another poll question. Yes, what is this one? Who is your favorite movie action hero character? Who would you follow into or out of an erupting volcano, a burning building, a target at holiday time? Let us know, and we'll quote you on the show. Oh, and uh, Buppy Bucks, yada, yada, yada. But now, now it's time for a new section on our show called Trivia. The Facts. Budget. 75 million kabukis. And in (laughs) case you forgot, we're talking about Independence Day. Yeah. Take a whopping... 817 million kabukis. Yikes! That's a lot of kabukis. Yeah, this is the movie that started the whole Independence Day franchise of, oh. Uh, yeah, two. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> for a long took, time. And it took, what, 20 years for the second one to come out? I don't remember any second film. Nope. It's, <laughs> nope, don't remember a fourth Indiana Jones film. Neither do most people, including the ones who saw it. Or were in it. Dean Devlin, writer of this film and director of Geostorm, may have scripted the dialogue, but most of the scenes involving Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch or Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith uh, ended up mostly improvised, which is not a huge surprise. No, not really. No, 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 must go faster, fast, fast, fast. Another big improvisation was the reaction to Bill Pullman's presidential go get him speech near the end of the film. That applause and cheering was not scripted, but was kept in because it fit the feeling so well. Yeah. And I know that when I did my version at the beginning of the show, you were all applauding, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. I was all set to go out there and punch aliens in the nose. Yep. There is actual footage of Area 51 in here, taken from a place called Freedom Ridge. At the time, this was still legal, and it was taken by a conspiracy theorist. That area has since been commandeered and is no longer open to the public. I I mean, there is no Area 51. (laughs) No. Uh Uh-huh. Weather balloons. But... (laughs) The pitch line for this movie, War of the Worlds meets Pulp Fiction. If what? you squint real hard. Pulp no, Fiction? Really? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess. Because it has uh, You know what they John call Travolta a quarter in pounder in the Zebulon galaxy? Uh, a <laughs> Gazavahodot? Yeah, yeah. Weird. They don't have the metric system. Gazavahodot. You heard it here first. The miniature for the alien spacecraft which were supposed to be 15 miles in diameter, and we will be getting back to that, was still a pretty big 65 feet. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's serious. a big miniature. This role, Will Smith's first go at a dramatic hero part, would pretty much write his career from 1996 until he slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. We'll be getting to that, too. 
Doesn't that White House office look familiar? Well, it should. It's the same sets used in The American President, Mars Attacks, and Nixon. <laughs> Turns out the title Independence Day was already taken, and Fox wasn't sure they were going to be able to win the right to use it, hence the abbreviation ID4. Other possible titles, if they lost their case, included Invasion, Sky on Fire, Doomsday, and The End of the World, all of which suck. <laughs> The role of the president was going to be a breakout role for Kevin Spacey, a school friend of Dean Devlin. Thing is, the studio didn't think Spacey had the potential to be a big star, so they <laughs> nixed the idea. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, they'll regret that, and then later they'll go see I Told You So, or something. In a deleted scene which would have really helped one of the biggest unanswered questions in this movie, Jeff Goldblum's character, when he first gets access to the alien spaceship, sees the same code he discovered interrupting the cable signals and, using that as a key, figures out some of the other alien coding and that's how he's able to write his virus. Oh, and uh, magic. Yeah. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll be getting too. back to that because Max will not let us not get back, especially because, of course, yeah. Jeff Goldblum does not pass the um, Bechdel computer <laughs> test. But we got to find a name for that. Could work yeah. on that, would you, Max? I will. This film is an Oscar winner for visual effects, of course. Otherwise, <laughs> it was only up for Best Sound, which it lost. And really, so much more like originally the makers wanted Jerry Lewis for Will Smith's roles, and uh, the wow. aliens were meant to look like Alfred E. Newman, but we have a plot to go over, so unless Max has something to add? I think that totally would have worked. I, I could have just <laughs> seen you. Oh, with the aliens, Mr. <laughs> alien, please don't with the green stuff at me shooting. Oh, it's not a good thing. Hoyle! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the plot, and this is a very abbreviated plot. Uh-huh. The aliens are coming, and they're not going to be friendly. In a well-staged invasion, aliens circle the globe with 15-mile-wide ships, and they use our own satellites and their signals to coordinate the whole thing. Luckily, Jeff Goldblum is there to notice and figure this out. He and his dad, Judd Hirsch, race to Washington to tell President Bill Pullman what's about to happen. Meanwhile, the sighting of these giant ships all over the planet is causing some... consternation among the natives. <laughs> Some react reasonably and aim to get the hell out of whichever major city has a ship over it. Some paint signs and get to the roofs of highest buildings trying to welcome our new overlords, uh, chefs, uh, friends. Will Smith, ace marine pilot, is called back from leave having to break away from the amazing Vivica Fox. Instead, he teams up with Harry Connick Jr. to go fight them alien bastards. When the countdown comes, all the ships blow stuff up, and it's the right kind of stuff. Stuff we know, like the Empire State Building, some building in L.A., the White House, and more. Destruction has never been seen on this level. But from the rubble, our plucky heroes all come together with other actors, and even Randy Quaid. With some planning, the revelation that Area 51 is not a hoax, and in fact does have a downed alien spacecraft. With I knew data. it! With Lieutenant Data, I, I mean Brent Spiner, as the lead scientist, is there any chance our heroes will not be victorious? Well, they'd better hurry up. The aliens have their number, and that ship is headed their way, and nukes won't stop it. Oh, the humanity, and so on and so forth. Boom. Shakalaka. The film. Yeah, I forgot all the characters' names, and honestly, they don't kind of don't matter. Kind of. Like, what's Jeff Goldblum's character's name? David. David! David. How can I forget David? Because we have... 
Yeah. But let's do By that. By the way, I, I would like to point out there is a really mm-hmm. tragic throwaway moment because we know what is Har- Harvey Firestein, who's David's friend and coworker, that David, why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? We find out Atlanta is one of the cities that was destroyed. Mm. So a moment so, of silence for Harvey Firestein's dead mother. Yes, I'm very, yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say that we see Harvey Firestein basically blow up. So, yes, yeah. <clears throat> David! <laughs> but, and there will probably be more Davids throughout the show. But let's start with the actors here. Um how about Will Smith? So before this, he did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and there's one other film he did, and I can't uh, remember what it was, but it wasn't big, and it wasn't, I think it was a comedy. Yeah, I think mostly he had done much more sort of comic. He might have actually done Six Degrees of Separation before I, this. I think you're right. I think that's what it was. I cannot entirely remember, because he's, but, you know, now he's oh, been around forever. Well, now to get this out of the way, Max, you saw this when it came out in the theater, right? I did. Yeah. So either way, your initial uh, impression of Will Smith or your current impression of Will Smith in this role, not including any extraneous slapping, what did you think? Uh, I really like him in this. I think he's incredibly charismatic. He's likable. And he he gets us right from the beginning, pretty much right away. uh, You know who he is. And he's just very sweet. I just like the bit where he's in bed with Vivica Fox. Hang on, I'm just enjoying that image. <laughs> hey, come on, man. It's Who would not enjoy being in bed with Vivica Fox? But uh, Me. Well, yes. But uh, the, the ground's shaking. They think it's an earthquake. And he sits up. This is instantly you realize he's not a native of California. Nope. Because he's like, is that an earthquake? And Vivica doesn't even lift her head. She goes, not even a four-pointer. Go back to sleep. <laughs> It's like, that is the most Los Angeles thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And he's so nice with to her, and he's so nice with the kid. Yep. Even the line when the dog gets up on the bed and is chewing on his shoes, and she says, he's just trying to impress you. And he goes, you want to impress me? Get a job. <laughs> it's like, that's that's great. He's, and he's so sweet with the kid. Even when like he, he hurts his foot on one of the kid's toys, and he's just like, oh, Dylan, he's not mad. He's just kind of exasperated. Like, obviously, he's talked to the kid. He, I think he's great in this. And he's funny. He's, he's uh, intense. He's really he tends well to forget built. things rather quickly. <laughs> like, my best friend's dead. No. Okay, next. Well, let's be fair. It's Harry Connick Jr. That's probably yeah, by the how way, I react. Um. Did Harry, do you think Harry Connick Jr. knew he was um, white in this movie? Well, he does tan very well. He talked, because he's talking like he's black, and he does a rather problematic imitation of the Reverend Al Sharpton in the middle of it. Oh, I thought it wasn't, I didn't think it was Al Sharpton, I thought it was... um... Jesse, uh, Jesse Jackson. Jackson. Jesse James. Jesse yes, James. the Reverend Jesse James. Jesse Jackson was blam, a man blam. who killed many of them. You will take yeah. the sacrament or blam. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd watch that movie. I Here's the thing about Harry Connick. He started off being this kid who sung old crooner tunes and made yeah. a career with that. When I've seen him in films, he seems fine. And yeah. I want to go back to Will Smith real quick. His cultural bits were interesting. Um, I don't know if that was his choice or the director's, but whatever. Will Smith, though, the, one of the things I want to say about Will Smith is that he is so at ease with himself and the character. 
that this may be his first hero role. I when I saw this, I'm like, I will totally see more films with him in the lead role. I like him. He's funny, but he's not over the top. He's quite honestly, as I said, he was built really well in that film. <laughs> I love the point where she just says, yeah, you and your Dumbo ears. And he does have Dumbo ears. They stick yeah. out. But, you know, he's a good looking guy. And I totally bought him as the hero. And I, I wanted to see more. And so did everyone else, because this was the start of a very successful career until last year. <clears throat> yeah, bit of a slap in the face. Oh, oh! So, too soon? No. Well, that was just so stupid. Yeah, I, well, I can't we, we've even... talked about this plenty. Of, plenty we have. Of I, I think we both decided that, does this keep us from watching Will Smith films? No. no. Does no. it have, give us less respect for him as a person? Yes. Yeah. Of course, he's also a very big Scientologist. But... Yeah, yeah, he was already, the bar was kind of low, but... Yeah. Really? Yeah. Bill Pullman. The stupidest human being on the planet. <laughs> Think we should shoot him? Yeah, honestly, his role in Ruthless People is probably my favorite because it's just, he is so funny in it. Well, also, I love the fact that he had dyed his hair for another role and it was growing in there out and they're just like, no, 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 leave it. It's perfect the way it, it looks. It looks so stupid. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah, but in this, yeah, I think he's very presidential. What do you think? I like him. I'm just like, there is no way we would elect anybody that young. I get there, it. That is kind of a thing. He does look very young. But, and you know, the the hokey speech at the end, I think he does a good job with it. And in mm -hmm. general, I like him as a character. He, You can see he has having trouble. People are calling him wishy-washy, and we see evidence of that until he finally is like, no, we're going to do this. Like, oh, I should stay in the White House. Shouldn't we leave? No, well, I, you know, I don't want people to think. And it's like, that's not the way you fight this image. This is the wrong way. Get out. See the 15-mile-wide spaceship, <laughs> and we're coming back to that. You need to leave. Um, thankfully, he does. He does not make the best decisions. I mean, at the end, it's all very dramatic. We need pilots, so I, the president, because I'm a fighter pilot, which we've mentioned twice in the first half hour of the film, to make sure you realize this plot point is coming back. <laughs> I'm going up there. Yeah. Like, um, you are the last member of the working government. We already know the Joint Chiefs. The, the entire cabinet, the vice president, as far as we know, the Supreme Court, is all gone. You're it. It is incredibly irresponsible of him to go, I'm going to go play fly, fly, blank, blank. Well, yes, but here's the, the way I could counter that. If they don't, and they don't win the day, who's going to care? Because <laughs> it's just going to be us because they could have won the day. One. He could have been killed, and they still would have won the day, and then they have no government. Well, I'm going to jump ahead, but we have Robert Loggia, or Loggia? Loggia. He's a, he's a general. He cannot, by the Constitution, he can't take over. We I'm would sorry, end up with, like, the governor of South Dakota being president. Who's also gone. Um, by his gruffness alone, I think <laughs> Robert... Because if you can't get ripped torn... True. You get Robert, Robert Loggia. Robert Loggia does a nice job in this, because if there was ever a guy to play a grizzled old soldier, yeah. I think he could have done that at age 14. Yeah. No, he's fine. I am skipping ahead because another biggie I want to touch on is Jeff Goldblum. Ah, uh, yes. Ooh, Jeff. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is not his first role, no. but I think it's the one that brought him to people's attention. And let's face it, let's be, I'm going to be very critical here. Jeff Goldblum does not have much of a range. <laughs> no, he basically can play Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, sometimes this is Jurassic Park, to be Sometimes fair, he's Jurassic nice Park. Jeff Goldblum, sometimes he's mean Jeff Goldblum, but he's always Jeff Goldblum. He's even using 
in those improvised lines, he's using dialogue from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which came out in 93. That must go yeah. faster, must go faster. That's yeah. right out of the Jeep scene. Yep. Word for word. Here's the thing. I really like him in this film. Yes, it's just Jeff Goldblum. Yes, he doesn't have much of a rain range, but I enjoy here. I think yeah. the best couple in the film is Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch. I They're love so them as father cute and son together. Oh my god! And I know. Look, empirically, I look at Judd Hirsch, and yes, he's playing a stereotype. And Roland Emmerich loves his frickin' racial stereotypes. Yeah, it's like oh look, you have Vivica Fox. Black woman, single mother, stripper. I want to get but, back to her. But she's also very very smart. She's very loving. She's very caring. So he yeah. subverts some of them. Judd Hirsch, you know, oh, yes, hi, I'm such a Jewish father. Hi, I'm playing Jesse. I'm smoking cigars. Oi, vey. Yeah. And yeah. See, yeah. pretty much if you, cut, if you cut me, I bleed kosher pickle juice. Yes. But the chemistry between him and Jeff Goldblum I think it's just spot on. I looking at them, it's like, okay, there's a foot difference in height, and uh, but like when Jeff Goldblum kisses him on the cheek, and in movies, especially American movies, American men have a lot of trouble doing that. Yeah, they don't like to show physical affection, and it shows. There isn't any hesitation or holding back. It's just adorable. Yeah. And the little arguments they have. Yeah. I totally bought that these two people have known each other for a very long time. And they've had these arguments. This is the same argument they've been having for like 40 years. Yeah. And again, Hirsch, he's pushing his, because Hirsch is Jewish, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With he that is schnoz, pushing, what are you talking? <laughs> hey, you know, big noses are not just for Jewish True. people. But he is pushing that stereotype nearly for all it's worth. Oh, yeah. But his humor never goes overboard. And occasionally it actually makes sense. He's like, hey, what are you talking about? You have you you knew and you did nothing. What dad, what are you talking about? Area 51, what's that thing? You have that that, that spaceship. And he's like, everyone's like, no, no, we don't. And then finally the CIA guys, um yeah, we uh we actually kind of That's do. Secretary of Defense. Our this, defense. He well, was he was the head of the CIA, that Mr. Nimziki. Yeah. Right. All I could yeah. think of is hey Niedermeyer. <laughs> Lip Nikki. Um, run, run, run. Go, go, go. Uh, Mary <laughs> McDonald, she plays the wife of the president. She's fine. She's there yeah, for five seconds. Yeah, she doesn't seconds. get much. Her character is very two-dimensional. She has, I think, about eight lines. She's there to die, let's face it. She is supposed... <laughs> she is a tragic point. Yeah. And she, I, that's the thing. I got to say, Roland Emmerich has trouble with some of his female characters, and he got worse I, over the years, but... I want to get to her last, though, because okay. I want to spend a little time. Uh, Randy Quaid... I oh do not boy. miss Randy Quaid, but he actually kind of works here. He kind of does. That sort of crazy, over-the-top, it fits. I'm not acting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think he's faking being drunk in a lot of those scenes. I didn't see anything in the trivia, but it wouldn't surprise me. I forget whose house did he break into. I for, oh, no, no, that was Rip Torn. Uh, <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. and several others. But yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, he, no uh, Randy Quaid's the one who fled the country yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Um, Harvey Firestein. Oh, yeah. I really like him in this film. He's there for five minutes. I don't understand Harvey Firestein. <laughs> I know he's written some plays and he's yep. done some very good dramatic work. That voice, though, David, is... I, he's just enough camp and just enough, enough fun. And we do feel kind of bad when he blows up. 
And he does get some great lines. I still like when he's sending everyone down to the bomb shelter and he looks at Jeff Goldblum and very dignifiedly says, there's no shame in hiding. Yeah, that was a very interesting line for him, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there uh, was Brent... a scene, by the way, that was cut. I discovered the version I watched, which was a DVD Oh, did you rip. watch the special edition? I don't know about special, but it had extra scenes. Oh, it's the special edition. And there's a scene that was cut where uh, David, he basically figures out when they're complaining about the satellite signals aren't working before they realize it's aliens, and David explains that uh, I figured out how to filter it out. We'll, we'll be the only cable company that's a clear picture. And Harvey Firestein's so happy, he grabs him, he kisses him on the mouth. Yeah, apparently and, uh, Jeff did not know that was going to happen. Yeah, you can kind of tell. <laughs> and they cut it because they thought it would freak people out. Oh. Uh, yeah. Harvey, a little Harvey goes a long way, but a little <laughs> Harvey is still a good spice to add to your film. And I, I enjoy him in this as brief as yeah. his appearance is. He's entertaining. Brent, He's good Brent comic Spiner. relief. Yep. I had not seen in anything except Star Trek Next Generation, so it was nice to see him basically go, okay, you know that role? 180 it, and I'm going to do this. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that is actually built based on, I think it's a guy in the tech crew who is looks huh. and acts exactly <laughs> like that. Um, he's fun, and he totally gives me the idea that, oh, this guy has literally not been out of his scientific lab in 30 years. Yeah. They don't let they, they don't let us out much. <laughs> Probably good, yeah. Really? Wow, would not have guessed. But last, I would like to pause for Vivica Fox. Okay. Because I've seen this film before and stuff, but I've never really critically watched it. Vivica Fox is fantastic. Because not only is she good in her performance, I really like her character. She's incredibly likable, and you have like three scenes to establish who she is. Yeah. But you immediately get that she's like really caring and really loving when she's down with the other strippers. And one of the strippers who, shall we say, is perhaps not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, <laughs> who wants to go and welcome the aliens on top of what I think was the Capitol Records building? No, it's, it's it I've seen it. It's in downtown L.A. The okay. Capitol Records building is totally round. Oh, okay. Um, and <laughs> she's like, I don't, don't, she's trying to get her not to go. And in the extended part... She's like, he's like, you never want me to have fun. You know, you didn't want me to go to Las Vegas. Yeah, and you did. And you lost all your money and you didn't get the job. She says, <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't here when the earthquake happened. Oh, from 1974, last week's movie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she clearly is, she cares about her, uh, her co-worker. She cares, she loves her, her son. Well, she's also tough. Like when she, okay, the scene where she makes it through by diving into the little side door. Oh, thing, God. We're not, if we start to talk about the physics or science in this movie. We'll yes, because there. apparently explosions only travel in a perfectly straight line. If right. you're in a tunnel and you duck into a side room, you're safe. No, you're not. No. Explosions well, expand everywhere. So she gets through. With her son and the dog, because of course the dog... Boomer must live. And the first thing she does is she finds some sort of transportation, and she picks people up. She's yeah, gathering she's... wounded people. It's like, I'm going to go to El Toro, because that's where Jeff's, Jeff, Jeff Smith, Will Smith told me he was going to be. So I'm doing this, but I'm going to help people along the way. And I love her, her discussion with the First Lady... When she says, oh, what are you? And Vivica Fox's character says, I'm a dancer. Oh, ballet. No, exotic. 
oh, I'm sorry. Why? I'm not. It's good money. And it helps pay, put food on the table for me and my son. She's, she's not, not ashamed, ashamed of what, of she, what does. she does. She knows what no. she has to do. Yeah. She's strong. She's not your usual stereotypical, ah, aliens. She's like one of the first women characters in an alien invasion film I've seen that doesn't point or scream. Yeah. I wish we'd got more of her, but I love the way she's portrayed because she's just this strong character who gets through the film on her own merits and just has a lot of depth to her. So I I think she might be my favorite character in the film and she gets almost no screen time. What did you think about Connie? Connie. David's wife. Or ex-wife. Oh, that's right. She's there too. Yes, Margaret Collin, her name is. And yeah, she she's fine. She just fine. doesn't have anything to do. She's just there to act as an intermediary between... Um, Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman. That's really all she's pretty much. For. So uh, she's fine. You know, yeah. I don't have feelings one way or the other. I don't know her from anything else. But again, this is a Roland Emmerich movie. The women are not the focus. No, it's usually the men. But at least the main character isn't a white guy. I think the main character is pretty much Will Smith. So that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And technically, two of the other main characters are Jewish because true. true. Admittedly. Are, people could argue whether that means white guys or not, but we, we're not going to make that argument. Yeah, let's not try. Um, so the film opens, and uh, we get a shot of the lunar surface, and my first note was, flag on the moon. How did it get there? That is literally the first thing I have written in my notes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yep. yep. That's a deeper. For those a of deeper. you who have not seen a Coleman Francis film, don't. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't. Yeah, but, uh, we, yeah. and we oh, go- my first thought is then, because um, in some ways it's a really effective image as the huge ship goes over the moon and the vibrations from it sh- erase the, the human footprints on the moon. Right. Except there's no air. There is nothing to transmit the vibrations. Well, there. That's well. We also hear it, but sure. Um, yeah. It's just so vibrationy that it vibrates the entire moon. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, okay, sure let, all right, let's do the science. Because we did the good parts. We did we did the acting, yeah. which we the all The science really in like. this is absurd on so many levels. The strategy, miles. the animals. <laughs> huh? The ships are 15 miles in yeah, diameter. Yeah, and they're just sort of hovering over the cities. You know what that would do to weather patterns? If you stuck basically a small a city above another city, 15 um, miles is bigger than Manhattan Island. Are you suggesting that they would cause a... Geostorm. <laughs> no, I think they would cause a Sharknado. <laughs> That's just for Val. Oh, yeah, Lord. I yeah. mean, and, we'll, and then, of course, so they're doing that. So however they got here. And I actually never heard this in the film before because I wasn't paying attention. One of my notes was like, the amount of resources necessary would take an entire system. You couldn't just do it. And then they actually say, when Bill Pullman's like, oh, they were in my head that that's what they do, is they actually move from planet to planet, they taking all the resources Take all the resources, and, and then on. they leave. Which, yeah. okay. It seems a little pointless, but sure. I mean, it's the entire alien race, I'm guessing. Cause how seems many to be. Could, so that's a lot. And yeah. also, when they win, and we'll <laughs> get to the fighting later, but when they win, 
I don't want to know the amount of mass that has just fallen to the earth and will continue to fall as the mothership explodes. Cause that one was 65 miles wide. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. If that gets caught in earth's gravitational pull, which it would be because it's next to the moon. Yep. It will fall on us. Yeah. And you can't well, let, you can't, first of all, if it's that big and you set off a nuke inside it, yeah, it would probably, it would be very badly damaged. It probably wouldn't have exploded. Depending on what it's made out of yeah, and how it's all that designed. I mean, they got to the very center I, and the, uh, the Death Star Trench and blah, blah, blah. The thing that also gets me, why do they have individual fighters? Why do they bother? What, there is a, that whole sequence twice when a bunch of, F, I think, 14s or F-16s attack the, uh, attack the Death Star. <laughs> I went along the trench trying to find the, uh, the, the, what, the two-meter opening. Thermal exhaust port, I think, is what you're looking yes, for. Yes, they send out a whole bunch of uh, small one or two man fighters. Why? They can't. None of their weapons can get through the defensive shield. And you're telling me these guys haven't invented anti personnel weapons? Um, because if they don't, we won't have any story. <laughs> yeah, we won't have no picture. <laughs> I better yeah. start climbing. Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. Also, the fact that oh look, we have a 50 year old ship. Which, okay, now it works because apparently they all work on broadcast power and don't have battery backups or anything. Well, it's not the dumbest thing I've seen in a movie of this ilk. It's too, so, it's too much like uh, the Phantom Menace where, oh, oh if we no. blow up this one ship, all of the, the battle droids will simply shut down. It is a magic button, yeah. I will admit. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that it's a pretty big button and they have to go to some pretty extenuating circumstances to get it to press. It's not just, oh, I'll just drop this garbage can down this hole and the whole Death Star will blow up. <laughs> it really is. No, no, we have to get all the way in. We have and we're let's just get to it. They yeah. have to upload the computer virus. Max, it's uh, your turn. OK, where do you start? <laughs> First of all. How is it possible that there's they are using an operating system that we could even begin to understand? I have an answer for this. Okay. So they do have to communicate with our satellites. They have said this. That's what they're doing. They've reprogrammed them. So at the very least, in their system is the programming language we use on our systems. In one system, in part of maybe their communication system, because that's... They aren't reprogramming the satellites. They're simply bouncing their signal off them. Well, they actually say that they've reprogrammed them and are using them. So, so now, they have some kind does, of an interface. All right. Does, does, that, does that remove the stigma of, how to put this, magic? No. <laughs> Not to mention the fact apparently the aliens have never invented, I don't know, Norton or McAfee or any kind of antivirus <laughs> software. And uh, it can also draw graphics on their system of a little laughing skull. Really? <laughs> Not to mention the fact nobody bats a, I don't know, appendage at, hey, look, here comes a ship that, uh, that uh, transmits as 50 years old up to our ship. Let's just let it in. And, well, it's uh, one of theirs. Why wouldn't they? Bec you'd, because if we looked, if, if an American army base looked up and said hey look here comes a plane that's 50 years old we'll have it land outside the base on one of the external airfields 
I think it was also a case of what is it going to do? Well, that apparently it's going <laughs> to blow the blow the crap out of us is what it's going to do. But they looked at our technology and say, what do they know? And in general, the answer is nothing. Then, of course, this film, I'm just going to call this the hacker's test. This film blatantly fails the hacker's test. Because because, he does say, we're in. Yep. And it doesn't matter what the pronoun is. I'm in, they're in, we're in, she's in, we're all in together. No. No. Yeah, the the computer stuff is just black magic. There's no other way to put it. It is. Uh, One of the things they kind of gloss over is... How many millions of people die in this film? Yeah. I don't mean thousands. I'm talking millions. Every major city, like 15, there was 15 of these big ships. You assume each one was over a major population center. It might have hit a, I mean, in the hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. Like even more than, um, what was it? Uh, Batman v Superman or <laughs> Man of Steel? Man of yeah. Steel. Man of Steel, which is, that's just the population of Metropolis that gets killed. Yeah. Could you guys take the fight out? No? Oh, I guess we'll just die then. Yeah. What are we yeah. going to do? Yeah. And, you know, I, when I said that we hadn't seen destruction on this level before, we kind of haven't. This is about as big as it it's gets. It's very large scale, especially for an alien invasion movie. We often hear about it. They say, oh, they've done mm. this. Here we actually see it. And again, think, Roland Emmerich uses a lot of visual shorthand, which you can understand. It's like, oh, look, they're blowing up the Empire State Building. We know what that looks like. Here's, oh, look, the Statue of Liberty's tipped over. And again, Russia all I think is, oh, no. England the sti- went, then the, the USA. USA. <laughs> the human race was, was finished, finished without, without a, chance. a chance to pray. But. <laughs> yes. That and I'm thinking, looking at the going, oh, no, the Statue of Liberty, eh? <laughs> Fleshy-headed mutant. Okay. (laughs) But here's a a question that uh, we don't get to ask, and that is, how many people are left? There's probably quite a lot. I mean... But that's that's still a sizable chunk. I think there's a lot of America's been destroyed, but the rest of the world, I mean, China's population is much more spread out. So is India's. Technically, according to the movie, Boston's fine, just saying. Um, D.C., New York, and L.A., maybe not so much, and uh, b- b- Texas, up our parts of yeah, Houston. Yeah, well, Houston gets blown up a couple. In fact, we blow it up, too. But probably I, I was also curious, the- is there really a vehicle that can perch a mile away from a nuclear explosion and everybody's fine inside it? I yes. don't know. But <laughs> no, I, it, it seems especially unlikely. with rubber tires. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah. Now let's just fa- I'll just go out on the limit here and say, if you want to scrutinize this film for science, you're not going to find yeah. any. Yes, there is no none. Don't you? You have to. You have to lock your your sense of disbelief in a closet wearing a gimp mask. Yeah, I would like to uh, welcome back the say hello copters from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's nice <laughs> to see they're still getting work, and yeah. also nice to see that they're a little uh, not no not very successful at all. Quite honestly, no. Nope, nope. I think it was cute at the end where we get that speech, and one of the things he says is, it's the 4th of July, and it's like, well, the Earth's round, so it's actually the 5th of July in some places, but we know what you mean. Uh, We do have uh, talking points for this film, um, and I think they actually might come out a little differently than usual. Okay. Is the disaster, as presented, believable? Uh... If you accept the idea of aliens with death rays, sure. I mean, okay, honestly, 
if all they want to do is kill us, the way they go about it is incredibly sloppy. Mm-hmm. If you want to wipe out life on Earth, you don't even have to get into orbit. You just hang out there and chuck asteroids at us. If they pushed four or five big ones at us, we'd be done. Well, even better, use a virus of some sort. Because yeah, you're biological here, or chemical weapon. Yeah, you're obviously here for the natural resources. So, like, blowing stuff up is actually kind of wrecking some of the stuff you came for. Yeah, you could use some of our, our resources. But, yeah, it's believable. Again, I, it's not necessarily smart. But if you accept all of the other stuff, sure, it's convincing. If you ignore that the um, small s science, um, sure, I think that looking into, I think I'm going to say that the disaster, meaning what if something destroyed that many cities as a concerted effort at the same time, are the depictions of destruction and the reactions of the people believable? And I would say for that, yes. Yeah. The way that we react to it. Very American, which is what wins the day, sure. Of course, yes. Everyone else in the world has just been sitting around waiting for the Americans to come up with something. What a surprise. I did not see that coming. Yeah. But yeah, I would say it's believable. And actually, when we get to the roundup, we'll, uh, I think we'll take this even a little further. If it's not, and we think it is, um, but is there some way that this could have been made more believable? Did it even, if it even needs to? Well, yeah, as I say, the the aliens' method of attack didn't make sense. The fact that they have those little fighters doesn't make sense. They could have done without that. They could and just the actually whole... show up and block out the sun. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, they could just sit there and go, hi, guess what? All your crops are going to die. Just like that They're... episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Since the beginning of time, man has wished to blot out the sun. Because um... it's only this big. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think? Um... Here's the thing, we're we're taking a lot of ifs, if, 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 if aliens, if they decided that we're not going to stay on our own planet, we're going to take all our resources and just planet hop, and that's what we do now. We're all nomads, and we're gathering technology and resources, we just live on this ship, which is pretty drab, and and kind of, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't look very nice. They probably eat that nasty corn stuff from the Matrix. Um (laughs) If that's what you really want to do, you're probably pretty good at it, because if you weren't, at some point somebody would have killed you. Oops, we do. And now I guess all of you are dead. <laughs> but Except I... they aren't. We find that out in the sequel. I'm sorry, in the what? <laughs> yes. The sequel. No. Independence J regurgitation. No, 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 never heard of it. <laughs> I actually didn't see it. I'm sure you did. I did. I think, it, I don't remember. Didn't they say something was like, took 10 years to hunt down all the aliens or whatever, something like that? Who cares? <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> oh, that's basically my entire review of the movie. Who cares? Yeah. I think in the way this film is presented, in the big ifs we're asked to swallow, I think it works fine. Okay. Um, and I think that, well, and we haven't actually even talked about this, the special effects deserved their Oscar. Most of them hold up really well, and we're not talking CG. This is not CG. These are all models. A lot of practical effects. Yeah. And actually, I did not know this. The scene at the end where Randy Quaid um, goes up the bung of the (laughs) ship, (laughs) and it blows up up from the bottom up. Yeah. Turns out that's actually just the explosion of the uh, Empire State Building in reverse. Oh, (laughs) okay. Like, turn it upside down, and it's the same shot. Um, 
I think the special that. effects look great. Yeah. They hold up even from 96, you know. This, this we just saw Geostorm. <laughs> and there's some CG in that that I'm just like, "Oh, it's a guy in a green room." Okay. Yeah. And this is all fake. I, you this know, doesn't look that way. No. no, there's a couple of times where they do some slow-mo explosions which I think kind of look hinky. But in general, I think that the the effects look good and that really you know, that helps helps pay the bill at the end of the do you believe this? Are you caught up in the story? So I I think that's depicted it works pretty well. We are getting to that point though. Do you have any other uh you must have a, a note or two you'd like to get to besides flag on the moon? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I space do. command, I would... a totally real thing. Oh, space yeah. command. Uh, space command. I would like to point out that uh, when Will when uh, Will Smith and Vivica Fox get married hastily, the army chaplain is played by the great Rance Howard. Was it? That was him. Oh, My awesome. close personal friend, Rance Howard, who I have never met in life. <laughs> but well, that was him, father of, father of Ron and Clint, grandfather of Bryce Dallas, well, one good. of the master bit players of Hollywood. I'm glad we got a, we, we got a chance to have some, do something with him in it, even if he only has two lines. Well, and here's the thing: we probably already have and just didn't notice. Oh no, I've been very—I watch very carefully to see if Rance is in any of the movies <laughs> we do. And so far, the only one he was in was Lone Ranger. Ah, which I did so. point out. Okay. Yeah. Well, then uh, I think we should. Oh, besides that, anything else you wanted to add before we? Uh, I think that the only thing that I still don't quite get is I know when when President Bill Paxton, sorry, Pullman. <laughs> People used to get them mixed up all the time just because of the name. Oh, because they don't look anything alike. Yeah, they look nothing alike. They sound nothing alike. When he does his St. Crispin's Day speech, Mm -hmm. I am still thrown by the fact that he decides, I'm going to quote Dylan Thomas. You know, we will not go gentle into that good night. The most depressing poet in Welsh history. And a poem about a guy's father dying slowly of disease. Like well, really, okay. I I know most of your audience of these Hick fighter pilots or crop dusters may not get it, but geez, couldn't you have found something a little more inspiring? Well, here's the connection I made. Dylan Thomas was Irish, right? Welsh. Welsh. He was Welsh. He was a drunkard. So is Randy Quaid. Oh. So to connect to Randy Quaid. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a six degrees of booze. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's the entire, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's with. it. That, that, there's a lot of other stuff, but that's what I got. Otherwise, let's get to that thing that yep. we do so well. The finish. So, Max. So, Mike. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> nope, <sighs> not going to happen. <laughs> you saw this when it came out. I did, and I've seen it many times since. Oh, that must be because you hate yourself and you hate this film, right? No, no, I enjoy this movie. This movie is a lot of fun. You have to, like I say, chloroform your sense of disbelief. Never mind suspend it. You have to put it into a coma because it, there's just a bunch of stuff in this movie that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But the thing, in mo- like with most good disaster movies, you have to have a number of characters... And they have to be very quickly fleshed out, and you have to like them, and you have to care about what happens to them. And I think they pull that off in this. I think all the characters are really well done. All right, some are done better than others, but that you like them, you feel a sense of urgency. 
I, I think it really works. I, as you say, I think it still looks good. I think it's funny. I think it's moving. I still think the whole sequence with the president's wife dying is a tonal shift that sort of doesn't doesn't fit. Hmm. The whole like, oh wait, we now have to take time for tragedy, and we're done, and now we're back. It's <laughs> too rushed. It's it, it's the thing is it is kind of earned, but they give it such short shrift. I'm a little disappointed in that. I would also like to point out that the pres the little girl who plays the president's daughter grows up to be May Whitman. Ah, great voice actor, and to me, best known as Roxy, uh, Ramona's evil ex girlfriend in Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe. Ah, wow. Okay. Yep. Wow. Now, what about you? Did you see this in the theater when it came out? I did. This was a big event film. Yeah, uh, this is I a did not. Pole. Yeah, I did not know Will Smith from anybody. I guess I knew that he was on some show, but I didn't know anything about him and. I really liked him. I really like everybody in this film. Like, even Randy Quaid has got a kind of charm about him, which yeah. that's not easy to do. He has <laughs> a very small but significant redemption arc. He goes from useless drunk, whose family has nothing but contempt for him, and there are deleted scenes that really play that up. Yeah. To being a hero, to being the guy who saves the day. Yeah. And he's of any of the characters in the film, he's the only one actually redeems themselves because the other ones don't really need to. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. And this is actually, to me, an example of the same formula they were using back in Earthquake. It's just there. They didn't do it very well because yeah. we meet the characters and we don't like them. <laughs> Why is he so greasy? Um, <laughs> it looks like if you took a ham and you rolled it on the floor of a barber shop, you'd get Charlton Heston. Um <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, no. And then if you gave it a lot of cheese to eat, so it couldn't poop. And then we get George Kennedy, who's just like, oh, I have no sense of humor. Grr, grr, grr. It's just like, you, okay, they die. But it's, I think, honestly, you, you probably took. No, we actually took a little joy. It's like, oh, good. They got rid of Charlton Heston. Flush. <laughs> they literally flush him out of the movie. Yeah, but, but here. When, when Randy Quaid dies, when the president's yeah. wife dies, it's moving. It's like, oh, yeah. that's sad. Yeah. And also kind of awkward because Miguel, his son, is in the command room and everyone's going, woo, yeah, yeah. And he's like, my dad just died. Also, but the relationship, I think a little part of Miguel's like, oh, my dad just died. I'm in charge. Yeah. but I, I own the Winnebago now. Well, I put the win in Winnebago. <laughs> I enjoy this film. It is a film, and we've talked about this in the past, where you can have utterly unbelievable elements or big, hey, moments, <laughs> but the film is so entertaining and so well done that you don't care. And this is yeah. one of those films. The science in this film does not work at all. Boy, was Apple happy with the results of having them put their laptops in this film. Oh, yeah. I'll bet. But, yeah, the whole computer hacking thing, Basically, in, I'm going to go on the limb and say 99.99% of Hollywood films does not make sense if you look at it. It doesn't make sense here as much as we might want it to. The idea of the aftermath of this film is just like, there's how much stuff raining down on us for how long? Ah, yeah, it's how, like, oh, doesn't that look cool? Not really. It looks like 100 billion tons of debris falling into the atmosphere. Well, and they show you the crash ships and everyone's dancing around. It's like, yeah, what about the people right beneath it or nearby uh -huh. when it glid into whatever? <laughs> and are all the guys in those ships dead? Yeah. I mean, they're on 
fire, but <laughs> mm, so whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just fun. And it's a destruction movie that's done well. It is, we care just enough, even though the, a lot of the characters really aren't that dimensional we still like them and that's that's good enough they basically they did everything they needed to each part was not overdone or underdone it was all just enough to fit together and make an entertaining disaster porn film yep so if this you, is probably roland emmerich's best i'm gonna say it's definitely roland, roland emmerich's best i actually did like stargate but this is better than stargate and it's not as uncomfortable for reasons so, yeah, if you have not seen Independence Day in a while or somehow have never seen it, if you like big, loud adventure action-y films, by all means, tune it in. It's still fun. Yes, Will Smith is an idiot. But he wasn't least, an idiot yet. No, he wasn't. And he actually, he, this is a great start to yeah. a fun career. There's other films I like him in too, but he starts off really well. Jeff Goldblum's fun. Uh, Vivica Fox doesn't get enough, honestly, and she's great in this film. Go watch it. Yeah. It's fun. But, so, but remind us, what is our trivia question, our poll question again? <laughs> our poll question. Yes, we, speaking of action heroes, we'd like to know who is your favorite cinematic action hero character? Please note, hero does not denote that it has to be male. Okay? Hero is a general term. I don't use heroine or actress because to me they can both... Hero and actor can be men or women. But do let us know, and you can let us know either on our website, which is maxmikemovies.com, where you can leave comments such as, you know, uh, Snowy and Ned. You can also email us directly, which is us at maxmikemovies.com. You can have a little conversation with us. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell us, I've lived through an earthquake, and it's nothing like it is an earthquake. Thank you. Tell Bob. us what you're wearing. Tell, no. <laughs> Tell us what we're wearing. No, but don't bother talking wearing? about clothes at all. Give us <laughs> oh. comments and suggestions. Tell us about things you liked, didn't like, what social media we should be on, because we're still whipping that Yeah, hours. we're still just on Facebook. Yeah, and uh, otherwise you can find all our podcasts on the podcast app of your choice of ones that you've heard of, haven't heard of, don't even exist. There we are, Max Mike Movies. Oh, yes, and uh, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. But Max. Yeah. We do still have a lot of porn to watch. We do so much porn. porn to watch. What porn are we Whole watching universe next of week? Porn. Well, I figured next week or the Green Door or well, I not think that I've gonna, ever seen them. I am curious. Yellow, yeah. <laughs> huh? I think we'll do probably watch uh, Shaving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> That's real, by the way. Oh God, yeah. no. <laughs> We should Maybe. do a whole show just on porn names that were parodies of real movies. Anyway. As, lo as long as we don't have to watch them. No. You don't want to watch Forrest Hump? <laughs> I don't want to see the very huge numbers of sex trek that are out there, because there are. <laughs> I'm no. sure there are. No, but we're going to be watching a movie that is curiously relevant, as the events it depicts are happening now. A sale at pennies? <laughs> Even almost as bad. Oh. <laughs> yes. We're going to what? ever wonder what would happen if the core of the Earth reversed direction or worse, stopped spinning? Like it is now? <laughs> Seriously. Appar there, apparently it is. Well, a prophetic movie that shows us just how horrible it would be as it is out there. The Core. Yeah. We're going to watch The Core. So tune in next week to find out how horrible it is the with core. Max and Mike and the movie.
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.